no doubt about it, Christmas is a magical season. Short-lived though it may be, the Christmas spirit transforms our lives and communities each year in a way that no other holiday even seems to come close to doing. Back when all my children were young, which was the early 2000s, I had a realization about one particular Christmas transformation that I had never really thought about before. And that's the ability to talk and sing openly about real angelic beings that were involved in the affairs of humankind. So at that time, I opened my Bible, I did a bit of reading and research, and I realized also for the first time that in the Gospel according to Luke, the good doctor mentions three separate encounters with angels that are all critically tied to the birth of Christ. Now, before I tell you about the first one, let me give you just a quick bit of backstory for context. The Israelites were temple people. Their entire religious system revolved around the temple. It started with the tabernacle of Moses after the escape from Egypt. Now, this was essentially a large tent with two rooms separated by a massive curtain, the holy place and the most holy place, or the holy of holies. It totaled about 675 square feet, which is roughly one-third the size of the median American home. Solomon later converted the portable tabernacle into a permanent temple, and eventually Herod the Great rebuilt it in a standalone metroplex that was, get this, about 1.5 million square feet. To put that into perspective, that's about the size of three shopping malls or two baseball stadiums. Massive. Herod's temple complex was a series of ever-ascending and ever-restricting areas, sort of like squares inside squares. The very outer area was for Gentiles. The next area was for all Jewish people, and then the court of Israel, and then finally just for the priest. And by the time you get past the priest area to the actual temple itself, still with two main rooms, just like the tabernacle of Moses, you have this massive stone, marble, and gold structure that had 60-foot-high ceilings, and very few people could even enter or even get close to this temple. Oh, and the curtain that divided the holy place from the Holy of Holies in Herod's temple? 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and three and a half inches thick. That is a massive curtain. That brings us to our first angelic encounter here at Herod's temple in a highly restricted area away from the crowds. Imagine with me, the priests themselves are standing in a circle awaiting what was called the casting of lots. Now, no one really knows for certain what this looked like, though many speculate that it wasn't too dissimilar from flipping a coin or rolling dice. The big difference is that they followed Proverbs 16.33, which states very plainly, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So in other words, no chance was involved in this process. God himself intervened in every single cast to give a predetermined outcome. The first lot, which took place at the break of day, was to decide who would clean the altar and prepare its fires. Later that morning, at the second gathering, lots were cast to decide who would offer the sacrifice and clean up the candlestick and the altar of incense. But the third lot 
That was the most important, the most prized. Sure, the sacrifice was critical because it was the only way to obtain a quote-unquote meeting with God. But the sacrifice was not the end game. The highest honor of a priest's regular duties was in this third lot. It was then that it would be determined who should have his prayers, like incense, Psalm 141.2, lifted up before the Lord in the holy place. Now, Zechariah, who was a descendant of Abijah, and of course also of Aaron, the brother of Moses, was one of 18,000 priests at this time. And those priests were divided into 24 different priestly divisions or orders. And they rotated their duties. Now, with such a large number of priests vying for service, each division of priests were eligible for temple duty only about two weeks per year. So, literally, hundreds of priests are hoping for a chance each year to fill just a single handful of available service slots for their order's two-week service period. I already mentioned the first two lots that were cast. For this third lot, only those who had never offered incense upon the altar were deemed eligible. So this was truly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be chosen for the sacred duty of prayer. After the assistants had reverently spread the coals on the golden altar and arranged the special incense, which was a mixture of frankincense and spices, the chosen priest was left alone in the holy place while the remainder of the priest awaited reverently outside in sort of anxious intercession. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had served the temple faithfully for many, many years. Luke 1.6 says that they were, quote, both righteous in the sight of God, following all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly, end quote. Yet, despite their faithfulness, Elizabeth remained unable to have children. For a priest, it was the ultimate humiliation, the scarlet letter that he could not shake. And now, this one day, he found himself chosen by sacred lot to stand just inches from this incredible curtain that hung like an almost impenetrable wall separating mankind from the very throne of God's representative presence on earth at the time. For Zechariah, it was surely a sign that God was not punishing him or his wife. Hope was being reborn. His heart raced and his hands trembled as he symbolically lifted up the people of Israel in prayer through the pure white smoke of the sacred incense. But deep down, Zechariah remained burdened by his own situation. Surely, the thoughts of his barren Elizabeth fought their way through his subconscious mind as he prayed silently and reverently. Because of the building materials used on the temple, the sheer size of the temple complex, and the highly restrictive nature of each ascending area, inside the temple where Zechariah stood was eerily quiet. Any noise from outside would have been completely lost in the reverential solitude of the holy place. Zechariah was truly alone with God and with his own thoughts. He could probably hear his own heart beating out of his chest from the nervousness of this sacred moment. And then the unimaginable happened. Luke says that, quote, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense appeared to Zechariah. Out of nowhere, a massive, 
glorious, terrifyingly beautiful supernatural being is standing right next to Zechariah. To say he would have been confused and frightened beyond words has to be the understatement of the century. Zechariah probably felt his knees buckle and his head grow faint from the sudden rush of adrenaline. His eyes filled with terror as he stood frozen in holy awe. Then the angel actually spoke to him. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm thinking it was probably a little late for that, but of course the angel knew exactly what he was saying. In other words, I know you are presently afraid, but you can stop being afraid now because, quote, your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You will name him John. Joy and gladness will come to you and many will rejoice at his birth, end quote. Wow. The joy that Zechariah experienced at that moment must have been completely overwhelming. After all these years, it was finally true. God was not mad at him after all. God had heard his prayers, every single one of them. God heard every prayer he prayed. And now there would be a successor to his priestly line of Abijah. Despite his doubts and concerns, Zechariah lived to see the birth of his son, John. The words of Gabriel, though many months before the birth of Christ, rang true, and the world would never, ever be the same again. Maybe you find yourself in a similar situation, trying your best to serve God faithfully, but wondering why, why God still has not answered that one prayer that you've been praying for weeks or months, or even years. And you wonder, is God mad at you? Or even if he's actually listening at all? I want to encourage you. That's the wrong way to think. During this Christmas season, may your heart's desire be like holy incense reaching straight up into the throne of heaven. And may the words of that special Christmas angel ring just as true for you as they did for Zechariah all those years ago in the holy place of Herod's temple. Do not be afraid, for God has heard your prayers. Remember, a better mind always leads to a better life.